Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review. Hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored as always. Made possible as always. By Greening Law. A personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been awaiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio. The TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Matt? I would be the non-sexy one, Matt McLaren. This is Jam Session, the podcast, version 229, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. We've got a lot to get into today. We're going to do the draft machine. We're going to incorporate trades, since apparently the Cowboys might be considering that. Game one of the Dallas Mavericks march to their first championship in 10 years is this weekend, so we'll take a look at that. Got a couple of other things to dive into, but we started off, as always, by telling you, because you never know, and it's actually true. I did have a a good friend of mine got in a horrible car accident a week ago, and I did. I texted him. I said, hey, man, I know what you're going through because I had my car wreck about a year ago coming up on that, and there's a lot going through your mind, but if you need the number, let me make sure you have it. It's 972-934-8900. Give the attorneys at Greening Law a call. Let Robert Greening take over because he's going to have a case because he was hurt in a car accident. And it's one of those things, honestly, when you get in a car wreck, all you want to do is like, oh, I'm hurting mentally. You're not right. Focus on that. Focus on healing and renewal. Let the green team be your fierce legal competitor against the insurance companies. Dude, the green team, what I like about them is they grind for you. Part of the reason why they grind is because they don't get paid unless you get paid. And so it picks it costs you nothing, literally, to pick up the phone and say, hey, here's my set of circumstances. What do you think? And if they take you on for a client, it's a great day for you because they are tenacious about going about their business and doing the job to the best of their abilities. And, you know, Matt will tell you, they tell you answers and tell you questions that you didn't even know were supposed to be asked. Yeah, and it, it's just such an easy process because you pick up the phone. The consultation's absolutely free. It's 972-934-8900. Let them do what they do. Let them work for you. It's Robert Greening, 972-934-8900. Offices, Dallas, Texas. So Jerry Jones and the Cowboys, they call a big press conference yesterday and everybody's there. What's it going to be? What now? And I think everybody had the idea it was some big business announcement. Well, the Cowboys have announced that they will be the first NFL franchise. They're always out. I got to give Jerry credit on stuff like this, man. The dude can see things and where the world is going, maybe better than anybody for marketing points. And they have inked a deal with some Bitcoin company, or I I should say some cryptocurrency company. Right. 
and they will be working together as the first NFL franchise with that. Neat, cool, whatever. I'm not getting into crypto at this point. <laughs> I'm not even trying to. I, I've I've talked with, about it, and I can see the investment reasons for it and all that. But I bring up Jerry Jones because, of course, you knew he would give everybody there a little bit of his time, and he did that. And he was asked about trades and what the Cowboys might do in this particular draft. And here's what Jerry Jones had to say in response to that. Um, I would trade up uh, this draft um, and uh, just going in as much as you can say about it until you see what's there or who's on the other, the other line. But, uh, yeah, I would trade up to, uh, since we're down as low as we are in those first two or three rounds, if we had a chance to and somebody that we had really coveted was uh, sitting at the bottom, Frederick. Okay. We're sitting down there at the bottom, and we were able to trade up and get him. So I, I thought that was interesting, and, and we all kind of wondered at 24 with the guys, especially the guys that are in their pre-draft 30, a lot of those guys are likely to be gone by the time you get to 24. And, you know, you look at it, there's not a lot of guys that are sitting there that would be projected second-round picks that they brought in for a visit. It's it's really their, their visit list is made up of mainly – a chunk of first round guys and then guys that are probably round three and later guys. And you wonder if that's by design that they may be willing to part with a second or a third round pick to try to move up a bit. Dude. See, that's interesting to me because this is supposed to be a deep draft and a draft where you can find a lot of players. And is there's, you know, who, who's so worthy in this particular draft? Like to me, I don't even want the first pick in this draft. Because, I mean, this is not a draft we go, oh, yeah, that guy's a surefire Hall of Famer if we yeah. take him with the first pick. Um, so it's interesting to me that he's talking about that. And I wonder I wonder what, you know, two or three players they have targeted. Like, if that guy's available at 16, we need to move up. Because, I mean, they ain't, they ain't moving into the top 10. But, you know, could they move from 24 to 18 to get somebody? Yeah. Right. Yeah, and to do something like that, I don't know that the draft capital be, would be ridiculous. Again, depending on how high you're trying to move up, you know, you may be looking at a second round, a third round at worst, I would think, to try and move up a little bit. I mean, I know they've got those four fifth rounders. Four fifth rounders are not moving you up in the first round of the NFL draft. But it is interesting, and I will say this. I always find it funny. Like, I was looking, Mel Kuyper Jr. put out his latest mock draft the other day, and, and you know, I like Mel Kuyper's work, and, and I look at his mocks. I look at Todd McShay. The guy that he has the Cowboys taking in the first round was a defensive end that's not on their, their 30 visit list. And I thought, I, I mean, I was talking about this on the radio yesterday. It's like, I can flat out tell you they're not taking that dude because according to Mel Kuyper's mock, three of the guys on their top 30 list – go after who they take at 24 and this guy is he's not like it's not a project it's not Aiden Hutchinson right like it's not some guy who just oh my god he fell to 24 I can't believe it I thought come on Mel come on well this is again you know I think a lot of times when we say stuff like this people go oh you're just throwing shade you know this again is why your local beat writers are your informational people yeah um you can get some stuff from some 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 new stuff from outside uh, whether it's Peter King or whether it's Jay Glazer or whomever. But the best information, the most consistent information, comes from Todd Archer, who you hear on our podcast, Clarence Hill, who you hear from our podcast, Ed Werder, who you hear on our podcast, and a few others. But the local beat guys, that's where the information's coming from, bro. Yeah, 
that's why those guys are the local guys that are tied into the scene. And it's interesting. This is going to be a very, very interesting draft. As a matter of fact, this might be one of the more fascinating first rounds that we've had in a long time. But we'll see how it plays out. It, it does feel that Aiden Hutchinson is basically locked in at this point as the number one overall pick there in Jacksonville. But after that, I have, I mean, it could be as wide open as we have seen a first round. And I think there'll be a lot of surprises because of that. Um, I would say, dude, I, I would say you're absolutely right. Here's why. When you have a draft like this and there's a just a wide range of consensus on different players and who should go here and who should go there, um, even amongst the position groups, who's the best tackle? Is it this guy or is it that guy? Um, who's the best receiver? Is it this one or that one or that one? Um, it really, you know, that old saying about ice cream and which flavor do you like? And so somebody's going to get drafted, and we're like, they took that dude there? Yeah, because they were like, oh, my God, this guy's great. And the other guy, they could, you know, especially the receivers where you go, who do you want? You want the dude from USC? You want one of the two Ohio State receivers? Are you all gung-ho over Jahan Dotson from Penn State? And everybody, most people have him as like the seventh or eighth best receiver, but yep. you got him as the second one. I mean, it's all about do you want an inside guy? Do you want an outside guy? you want a speed guy? you want a physical guy? It's all about what you as an individual like. This this ain't no different than going on Tinder right now when it talks about this draft. <laughs> it is kind of like that. It's really interesting. So I thought we would roll out a little version of the draft machine here. And I've got it to where we can make trades and whatnot because I thought, let's see what would happen if we wanted to trade up. If we take Jerry's word for it, as Jacques cracks open a cold one. Boy, I had that same thought in my mind. Yeah, yeah, blackberry lemonade, sparkling water, you losers. And I like it. Hey, man, I'm sipping on a cherry limeade right now, sparkling water from our our love at Waterloo. And not to go off on a tangent, but there is something to it when you crack open that cold. And I say that like I'm such a – at home, the stuff I say out loud, it's – like every time I crack one open, I go – it'll crack open like that and go, ah, nothing like a cold one. Bro, okay, real quick tangent. I love them ice cold out the refrigerator. When they dip below, like, ice cold, I'm like, oh, this is nasty. Yeah. <laughs> that's so true. Like, But that's one of the reasons, like, you can drink it so fast. No, really. Because right. they're, okay. they're, they're deliciously cold. All right. Yeah. All right. Back to the draft machine. Back to the draft machine. So I've got it set up, and this may move a little slower because of this, because when I put it to move faster, all right, it's moving at a good rate of speed. So this is interesting. Most of the top guys are off here. And I'm trying to see, like, who would it be that would be available at some point? Because I want to get to a point. Let's get to 15 here. All right, so 16 is on the board. So right now, the the names that are still available. So obviously to trade up the Cowboys, we're sitting at 24. We would have to jump up somewhere in the next eight picks. Drake London is still available. Woo! Jamison Williams is still available. Zion Johnson, who's on their their list, who is a interior lineman from Boston College on the offensive side, Tyler Lindenbaum, Kenyon Green, Devin Lloyd. So some of the names that they might have been interested in that are already gone, Garrett Wilson is gone, Jordan Davis is gone, and I think that's it from the list that they had. Yeah. So All right, so how many players are available off of their list? Uh, there's a handful. I mean, again, when you look at, like, Alave is still there. All Like, London, Alave, and Traylon Burks are all still there. Kenyon Green is still there, and Zion Johnson. All five of them were on their 30-visit list. 
Well, see, if you think like Drake London is the truth because he's got the size, he's got the speed, he's a guy who can leap and make plays, and you're like, I could have sworn he was going in the top 10. He's going to be the first receiver off the board, and he's still there at 16. Because there are a lot of mocks where you can get Olave in the mid-20s, so you don't need to trade yeah. to get him. Um, and the offensive lineman, I think Green, I saw him at the top of the second round, and I think it was Kuyper's draft. Uh, the offensive line for Boston College, they like. But, again, do you want to trade up for a guard unless it's going to be Zach Martin Hall of Fame potential? No. no. All right. So, to me, it's – is Devin Lloyd there or is he gone? Uh, let me see. I believe he is still here. Yeah, Devin Lloyd is still here, yeah. All right. Now, I'm asking you, Matt, Mr. GM. We, I would trade up for London or I would trade up for Lloyd right there. I would, too. But I will say this, just based on where I paused the draft – I don't know that New Orleans would trade with you because they have two picks in the first. They probably acquired one, and they probably want a wide receiver. Right. So I wonder if we would have to jump up ahead of pick 18, which is the Eagles again, and, this, and both these picks are their second picks, the Eagles and the, and the Saints at 18 and 19, if the Chargers would do a trade with us at 17. But I'm afraid if I hit resume and the Saints pick, they very well may, be, may take Drake London. All right, well, I think, I think you have to do it, you know, me. I'm a realist. Uh, so I think the Saints would make their pick. They ain't trading with us. Yeah, I agree. So let's see what they do. So they have taken it, and they took Drake London. That's what I thought. Yeah. Bitches. Damn it. I knew it. And they turned out, <laughs> God, I should have known. See, so actually, I think that's extremely realistic, to be honest with you, because the Eagles and the Saints, I think both are looking to add a wide receiver. So that's where I wonder if the Cowboys are looking to trade up. Do you have to jump? Do you like? Would you have to trade with Baltimore at fourteen and get ahead of both of them? If you and then then you've got whatever receiver you want, probably either Wilson or, right. or London. Right, right. I think that's what happens. Because now, man, at this point, damn, I almost want to start it over and see if what it would no, take I to think, jump up. Uh, I think we should just play this one out, and then it's our show. We can start it over and do it again. <laughs> All right, and, and, and jump them. Yeah, because now let's see. Zion Johnson just went. Kenny Pickett's gone. See, now we're going to get to a point. Oh, we're getting a trade. Somebody wants to see. Oh, they're offering us. No, we're oh! not. So, yeah. They want to move. They want us to move back? Yeah, Chicago. See, I'm just, I'm not, I don't know, man. So, Chicago's offering their pick in the second round, which is the 39th overall pick. And then they're also offering a six-round pick and next year's third-round pick. And that, that, would be to ju- that would be to drop down 15 spots. Nah, hell no. Nah. <laughs> That's what I thought. I was like, no. All right, the Falcons are also offering a trade. They are offering their second rounder, pick 43, and their third rounder, pick 82. That would give us two seconds and two thirds in this draft. Two seconds and two thirds is actually pretty good in this draft. But I'm also looking for impact players. Now, Devin Lloyd is still available for us if we want him. Kenyon Green is still available for us. If we, if we stay here, we could get either one of them. If we drop back, neither, I, I seriously doubt either one of them would be available to us. Well, then, I'm real. this is just me, bro. I'm really inclined to go get Devin Lloyd. Okay, so we're going to decline the trades because we're going to have to take him right here. Because, and here's Ooh, the deal. Here's I'm going to play, play him a lot this year. I ain't keeping Vanderish after this year. So, you know, I can work him in slowly while Vanderish, while he figures it out. And then once he's ready to go, he starts. Vanderish goes to the bench. He ain't making but two million this year, so I don't really care. Um, and then we set with Micah 
in him. Because remember, the Cowboys are really playing more of a 4-2-5 percent of the time. Yeah. Or some kind of big nickel or something. But basically, they're only using two linebackers. So if our two linebackers are Micah Parsons and Devin Lloyd, I feel good about it for the next uh, eight years. I would as well. Now, I will say the Packers are also offering us a trade. They want to trade up just four spots. We would get their pick at 28, and they're also throwing in a fourth-round pick to move up four spots. Don't give a fuck about a fourth-round pick. (laughs) I don't either. All right. (laughs) So we have declined it, and Devin Lloyd is going to be the pick, the linebacker out of Utah at 24. We are taking Devin Lloyd. We are stoked. Jamison Williams and N'Kobe Dean, Tyler Lindenbaum, Raymond, all immediately go right after us. And I say those names because three of those four names – are on the Cowboys' pre-30 list, and they're all gone. Starting the second round, Kenyon Green, Chris Olave, Traylon Burks, all gone. See, Kenyon Green lasts to the second round on, on this mock as well. That's yeah, right, right at the top, right at the very top of the second round. So right. now we're going to get closer to where we are in, in round two here, and we've got the 56th pick. Tampa Bay is calling us. They are offering two third-round picks, one this year and one next year for the second-round pick. Nah. I'm kind of not, I don't really care about that. See, this is where this gets interesting because this is the first mock we've done. Christian Harris, the linebacker from Alabama, would be here. We don't need him. But in hindsight, you know, I wouldn't mind Harris at all. Let's see. Trying to see if there's anybody. Roger McCreary, the cornerback from Auburn, is here. He's not on their list. But again, in the second round, I don't know that anybody on their list is going to make sense in the second round, which is why I wouldn't be that bothered using that second round pick to make a move somewhere. No. Nah, I mean, it's just, you know, second round is really just, I mean, you have a lot of needs, so it's it's the best player there. I think uh, if they get into this situation, just looking at fact, where the – who who are the receivers there? Let's see, we've got George Pickens, the, I mean, that dude is a flat-out beast, and he could be, I, I say could, he could be an unbelievable steal, he's a big physical dude, he's like 6'5", 220, but he missed most of the season this past year because he was coming off of an ACL. All right, but this is his second, he's already had his ACL time, so he should be all right this year. Yeah, yeah, he should be all right this year. So you've got him and then a name that was on their pre-30 list that might be in the third round, but the uh, edge rusher, Sam Williams, out of Ole Miss. Is this too high to take Sam Williams? It probably is, but again, will he be there when we have our third round pick? I don't know, but he'd, he'd be, well, I'd be more comfortable in the third round. I was going to say, I don't, I don't like taking guys around early. Uh, even if they're edge rushers. Um, plus, we need a receiver. Uh, I mean, for real. Because if, if somebody gets hurt, you are SOL, brother. Yeah, Pickens uh, is legit. And then, you know what we could do in the third round, if we really want Williams, we could use one of those fifth rounders to see if we could trade up. All right, well, let's just go get the receiver. All right, so George Pickens is the I, – I would be excited about George Pickens. I mean, that dude, he is a large man. David Bell, another receiver, was there. All right, so we will make our way here. We are now into the third round. You know, the other thing is if you have Pickens and he can play on the outside, it allows you to move CeeDee Lamb in the slot whenever you want to. All right, this is interesting. So, okay, we do have a chance to trade up. We can trade up and jump up to the 69th pick, and the Jets are asking for our third-round pick, so we would flip third-round picks and one of our fifth-round picks. Man, please, go ahead and do that thing before they 
you know. All right. So, see, we can take that, and now we've got the opportunity. If we want, we can go ahead and take the Williams kid here, and we know that we've got him. All right. Well, let's go do that. Since he was on our list. I don't know why Jerry and Steven just don't call us. (laughs) There he is, Sam Williams. Look how we maneuver around the board, man. We got the edge that we want. We're excited. We're high five. We got it. We've got our line. Oh, we're definitely high fiving. We're definitely high fiving. Now, I will say, at this point in the draft, we've got our linebacker, we've got our wide receiver, we've got an edge. We're about to head into the fourth round, and we do not have an offensive lineman. That's okay. We're going to we're going to free agency and going to get a guard who can be a stopgap guy for a year. So I'm trying to see, you know, Cam Jurgens or Dawson Deaton. This might be too high. Let's see where they're. Well, Jurgens is a 155. That's more of a. Well, that'd be a fourth round guy. Okay, yeah. So right. that's where we're headed. Where's our next pick? Are there any tackles out there? Let's see. Tackles. Are there any blinking light tackles? <laughs> nope. All right. Not at well, all. I'm just saying because Jurgens and Deaton are two like like probably day three guys where we're at right now that were on their pre thirty list, but they're they're guards. All right, well let's go take the guard and we can still go get a veteran, just in case. Uh, I mean fourth round, I don't expect fourth round picks to come in and start. Maybe they can, maybe they can't, but I don't expect them to. So oh, we're declining that trade. What a stupid ass offer! Wow. I'm just saying, I'm not even taking that. Yeah, see, so at this point, and and again, this may be slightly high. Well, you know what? Thing here's the way I look at this is is this ideal for Cam Jurgens, the offensive lineman from Nebraska? No, you you would probably hope he's there in the fifth round. He may not be, though. There's a very good chance he wouldn't be. He's on your pre-draft 30. You obviously like the guy. I I have no problem taking. You need an offensive lineman. I'd take him here in the fourth. All right, let's do that thing. And there we go. And and so I just had it set up to do the four rounds today. So unless we want to trade back into the fourth, San Francisco offering us a fourth rounder in this draft and a sixth rounder in exchange for one of our fifth rounders. Oh, I'd go do that. Yeah, I'll take that too. And now we get to take another pick. Yay. All right. Who do we want? Let's see who's here. Anybody What's the tight ends? Any of the tight ends available? Oh, you know what? They're, I don't know if Rucker's here or not. Nope, I bet he's gone. not. No, Ruckert's gone, but they did have another guy. Uh, Weidermeyer's gone, Ruckert's gone, and yeah, the Kate Otten kid is gone. Whoops. No, okay, Jalen Weidermeyer is here, the tight end out of Texas A&M, if we want to go ahead and just grab All him. Right. Well, let's go ahead and grab him. All right, there, man. Holy crap, we've put together a solid. You know what is it? I like this. First round, Devin Lloyd. Second round, the wide receiver, George Pickens, who if he can get back to 100%, that dude, it's unfortunate. If he was 100% this year, he might have been the best wide receiver in the SEC. Wow. He's a beast, man. I mean, that dude, he is a large man. He, unfortunately, like I said, had that injury, but he is, I think he's, we're going to be happy with him. Sam Williams, the edge rusher out of Ole Miss in the third round, and then our two fourth-round picks, Cam Jurgens, the offensive lineman, and Jalen Wettermeyer, the tight end out of AM. I think we did pretty well, man. Just make a screenshot and put that out there on Twitter, see what the people say. All right. Congratulations. Two thumbs up for everybody. I hope everybody enjoyed that. God, that was fantastic. I'm, I'm stoked, which All means right. there's no way it'll be that what the Cowboys actually do. I'm just asking, are we going back in to see if we can trade to 15 or we need to move on? No, we have time. We can do whatever the hell we want. Okay, I was hoping you would say that, but you know. No, because I am curious. I'm just to see what it would take for us just to move up in the draft. We're going to do this just real quick, and we'll just do the first round. 
just to see what type of draft capital that we are actually talking about here. Oh, this is fun. You got to love doing the draft machine. Oh, draft machine is one of the great ideas right there. Yeah, so we'll try to trade with Baltimore, assuming that like Drake London is still there. Because you never know. Every time we do this, stuff comes out and it's different. All right, it's looking good so far. We're going to pause the draft here. Drake London is still on the board. Garrett Wilson just went to Washington. I don't think Minnesota's not taking a wide receiver for sure. All right, so they took. Okay, so now we've got the Texans and we've got the the Ravens that we can try to trade with if we want. I'm just going to go ahead and see if they'll they'll take it and see what they say. But see, at this point, you're going to have to give up your second. Yeah, that's a hard one. Yeah, because we'd have to flip, and then you probably got to offer your second to move up because we'd be moving up 12 spots. Whew. I mean, I can offer the third and see if they'll take it. Yeah, offer the third, see if they'll take it. They might take that for a 12. Okay, so we're flipping first-rounders, and I'm giving them the, the third pick. Houston is evaluating our offer. They have accepted it. Nice. Hell yeah, because you can take those two fourths and move them to the third if you want. All right, there it is. So that would mean at this point, then Drake London would be the selection. We've traded up specifically to take Drake London. Yep. The 6'4", 220-pound behemoth stud wide receiver. And there he is. And See, I like that too because in that scenario, you still get to hold on to your second-round pick where you might be able to make a move for an offensive lineman, which is nice. No, I think I think you I think that's exactly what you want to do. Okay. Okay, sweet. So that that could be exact. I mean, that's fairly realistic, I would say. Yeah. I think it's fine. And again, it gives you the flexibility to put CD inside or outside depending on how you want to do it because he's had so much success inside. See, and then in this scenario, like Tyler Lindenbaum is still there and I think another one of those guys that they had on their pre-30 that you'd have to get very early in the second round. So if we wanted to, we could even try to trade up again in the second round, which would probably cost us our fourth rounder. But it just depends on how you want to do it. Yeah, let's let's see if we can do that right quick. Okay, so we just did it, and then that allows that allows yeah, Lindenbaum is there, Christian Harris, the linebacker, yeah, Bernard Raymond is there, who's on their list. So so okay, yeah, so that works because then you get the offensive lineman you like. All which right, well we, done. All right, so which one did we get? We got the uh, Bernard Raymond, the tackle. He's an offensive tackle out of Central Michigan who is one of their guys on their 30. All right. Cool. All right. See, we can figure it. Why don't they just, you know what we could do? And we could do it, and it would take our draft card would be turned in immediately. (laughs) We wouldn't even need all the time. We'd be like, well, we're doing on the computer already. We're good, guys. Come on. How hard can this be? (laughs) You know? All right, so before we move into the block, let's take a time here to let you guys all know, have you had your biltong yet? Have you ordered it? I know some of you, because every time we talk about it, somebody like, all right, you keep talking about it. I decided to try it, and then guess what happens? Holy crap, you were right. This is incredible, and it is. It's Brews Biltong online at B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G, BrewsBiltong.com. It is like beef jerky, but it is not beef jerky. It is a traditional air-dried South African meat, and it is freaking fantastic. It's more savory. It's more tender. It is delicioso when you put it into your mouth. Sliced built tongue is how I rock, brother. I've told y'all before, man. What I love about it is that it's a great, it's a great meal replacement for me, man, because that's just a quick snack. It's 240 calories, but it's 30 grams of protein, which is fantastic, and it keeps me full for a couple of hours. I love it in the middle of the day, and yes, succulent 
doesn't even do it justice. No, it doesn't. It's it's very good. I'm a big fan of it. And the snack packs like you're talking about, you get just a couple of ounces in a snack pack, 240 calories, 30 grams of protein. Fantastic. I really think you'll enjoy it. So give them a try. We are the only podcast that they have ever sponsored. They are. We continue to be their only podcast because you guys have been so awesome to bruise Biltong. Make sure you use the promo code JAM15, J-A-M-15 at checkout. You get 15% off your order. Also, of course, JR and his guys, also known as Jacques Taylor's personal mechanic and garage, it seems like. <laughs> but the guys over at Freeway Tire Shop, it just doesn't get any better than that. And, and honestly, if you are in the DFW area, and I don't care where you live, if you have something that you need done with your vehicle, if you live within a half hour, 45 minutes, you go, man, that seems like a hike. Is it for peace of mind? Is it to be able to take your car to a place you can trust that you know is going to do the work that they say they're going to do? I mean, Jacques is taking all his cars over there. I was just over there the other day, man, getting an oil change, getting an inspection sticker, and getting a um, couple of my tires worked out. And it was a one-stop shop. But I go there, man, because JR, who owns it, he's built a place that you could trust, man, because you can trust him to fix your problem and diagnose it, use quality parts to fix whatever's ailing your car. And then what I like, man, you always feel like they're charging you a fair price. So you can trust that, and then you can trust them to stand behind their work. It's the four T's for me, man. That's why I rock with freeway tire. And that's why I tell all my friends. I told somebody yesterday who was having a problem with their car, and I was like, dude, just go to freeway, man. Go to JR. Tell him I sent you, and he'll take care of it. That's exactly right. It is Freeway Tire Shop just north of downtown Dallas, literally right off of 35. You cannot miss it. Let him take care of you. Request a quote, schedule an appointment. Everything you need is available to you online at freewaytireshop.com. Dude, you sent me this article, and at first I was like, this has got to be a bit, right? (laughs) But I started looking into it, and apparently it is a thing that happens. If you are a parrot head, which is what they call like hardcore Jimmy Buffett fans, there is a developer in this country that is building like more senior adult it's 55 and older communities that are based on the lyrics of the song margaritaville and they're called latitude margaritavilles where you get to live like you're basically in a jimmy buffett song apparently how wild is that bro dude it is it's it's wild but then i started thinking about it's like it's kind of genius it's uh it's the beauty of america man you know, I mean, we all know the wasting away again in Margaritaville, right? And so apparently these are places that are, there's a variety of them that have been built and they just feature homes. There's like palm trees. They put in like a little lagoon thing. And the whole idea is that no matter where you're at, you will have an opportunity to kind of live that laid back beach Margaritaville lifestyle. And who doesn't want that if you can afford it? Man. And you know what? Honestly, it's pretty affordable because most of the homes are $400,000 and under. Well, yeah, in today's world, that is affordable. Yeah, I, I mean, mean we're not talking like million dollar spots. So they are they are coming to Texas. They will be introduced in Austin, in DFW, and Houston, and these are award winning communities, man. <laughs> I mean, this. I don't know. I'm I'm just kind of like, what does it mean? It's world class amenities and island inspired villa, single family, and cottage homes is how they describe this. Dude, sounds great. 
you know, man, I'm nearing the age where, you know, you got to think about retirement. Maybe uh, I'll be able to afford one. Yeah, it says that they offer resort-style am- amenities. Latitude Margaritaville, the ideal destination for those looking to live the margarita lifestyle as they grow older, but not up. The communities feature a resort-style pool, a fitness center, live entertainment, signature Margaritaville food and beverage concepts, <laughs> arts and learning programs, and more, and... In 2018, it was ranked as the nation's most popular active adult community by 55places.com. And in 2019, it was named as the best 55-plus community of the year by the National Association of Home Builders. Sounds like folks are having fun around there, bro. I mean, this is a trip, dude. I could totally see my mom and dad doing something like this. Although... (laughs) To be fair, I don't know that my mom and dad would have any interest in living in a community surrounded by other people that are like in their 60s and 70s. No, they're, they're too young for that. But, you know, let me rephrase that. You don't know what the, I mean, that might be a community full of 60s or 70s who are young at mind and young at heart. Yeah, very. Yeah. And I imagine that it probably is. I mean, th- these types of master plan communities for active adults, as they call them, are not rare. Yeah. There's several of them, especially in the North Texas area. But, it's a trip, dude, because you'll drive around, and I mean, it's it's like you're in Sarasota, Florida. I mean, it's a bunch of old people just, you know, on their little golf carts and just retired people just living the life and whatnot. It's kind of funny. <laughs> I ain't mad at them, man. Not at all, but I, I thought that was kind of fun. So I like Jimmy Buffett. I, I'm not like a hardcore Jimmy Buffett fan. I've never been to one of his concerts. I don't know that I would. He's not like one of those guys that I feel like I need to go see. No, I don't know any song other than Margaritaville. Really? You don't know any of the other ones? No. Interesting. What genre of music is he? God, that's that's a very good question. Because, <laughs> you know, if it ain't Wait, I don't know if, it, if it ain't if it ain't R and B and it ain't pop and it ain't some level of rap, I'm not gonna be listening to it. What would you how would you describe that style of music? Island music? Uh, light rock? I... Middle-aged white folks. Okay, middle-aged white folks. And then you wonder why I haven't heard any of it. Okay, so you've never heard like Cheeseburger in Paradise? No. It's something like, ba ba ba. Cheeseburger in Paradise, Paradise. Da, ba, da, ba, ba, ba. A pirate Hell looks no. at 40? Hell no. Son of a sailor? Where would I have ever listened to that at? I don't know, man. I mean, some of the, like, Cheeseburger in Paradise, I used to love that song when I was a kid. No, nah, man. Come that's Monday, good. that's a great, Changes in Latitudes, Changes in Attitudes, Why Don't We Get Drunk and Screw? I mean, these are great songs. Well, that last one sounds okay. But, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's, it's always what I always take back to. I, if you've never, I mean, it's like somebody saying, oh, you've never heard this great country music? No, because I wasn't listening to country music, so it wouldn't matter how iconic it was i would have never heard okay so dude i'm telling you that on his greatest hits is just check it out at some point because here's the lyrics to the song i just told you it's a it's real it's a it's a real song it's so barmaid bring me a pitcher another round of brew honey why don't we get drunk and screw (laughs) like i said that's got some potential and i do have (laughs) apple music so i can listen to it Changes in Latitudes is a good song. And, and I mean, Margaritaville's his most popular song, and it's good. But Cheeseburger in Paradise, Changes in Latitude, Why Don't We Get Drunk? I mean, those are, for what he does, those are probably his best, in my opinion. 
Okay, well, well uh, on what is today, Thursday? On, on Sunday, I'll bring you a brief respite. Okay. No, respite's not the right word. We'll have a brief discussion about my listening to, uh, uh, what's his name? Jimmy Buffett. Yeah, Jimmy and, Buffett. Uh, what, I, what I think about his greatest hits. And then I'm going to assign you a project of, of equal. Like, are you familiar with Johnny Taylor? I know who it is, but no, I'm not familiar with his music. All right. Well, go listen to Johnny Taylor's greatest hits. You know, $2, okay. uh, Play Me Something Pretty. Uh, you know, and, and we'll have a back and forth conversation about Johnny Taylor and Jimmy Buffett. All right, I'll make a note of it. And we'll make that happen. So elsewhere around Dallas, this was—I mean, it's just a sign of the times. It's the way everything is going. But Market Square Mall, which had been there for years and years, I think it originally was opened in 1980. It's right there on 75 North. East Plano, right as you're about to cross into Allen, it was off Spring Creek in 75. They have announced that they are completely tearing it down. It'll be replaced by apartments. They are building a 300 apartment thing, complex. It'll have office space in the Central Park. And I bring that up because I used to go there as a kid when we lived in Plano. My grandfather used to, when he retired, he would come into town every once in a while. There was a time in his life where he was a baseball card show trader. Like he, really? he was one of the guys that had a booth at baseball card shows. Is this the granddad that coached baseball? Yeah, yeah. And so this would have been, you know, probably late, mid to late 80s and maybe in the early 90s when he was doing this. And he and my, we called him Mima and Grandy. So my grandparents, he had on his property and he built all this stuff himself. They lived in a log cabin out in Quitman in East Texas on Lake Quitman. And then he had a like a, a wood shop that he had built that was also their garage and stuff. And so he made arts and crafts. And he would not only sell his baseball cards that he had acquired and whatnot, but he would sell like you could get a clock that would be a, a, that he made out of wood that was a clock that was like a Texas Rangers hat or a Cardinals hat or whatever. Really? And yeah. And he did like he even made I still have to, to this day one of the things he made for me. I have a St. Louis Cardinals because when I was a kid, my my little league baseball team was the Cardinals. He made me a Cardinals baseball card holder out of wood. And it's, you know, it's probably 18 inches by 18 inches. It has a latch on it and you can open it up. And inside is all these slots where you can put baseball cards in. How about that? Yeah, and I still have that. But Market Square Mall, for whatever reason, was one of those places that back in the mid 80s had baseball card shows all the time. And I used to go, you know, and you know how it was. I mean, you'd get, oh, I want whatever it is. And I'd get a Ryan Sandberg or a Pete O'Brien or a Pina Cavalli or whatever it is for 25 cents or something like that. So <laughs> that was back in the day. You can't get anything for a quarter. No, no. I mean, but I used to love, I mean, it was really cool. And, and when he passed and, and he, he passed away over 11 years ago, he had a bunch of baseball cards that I got and I still have some. And, and most of them were, you know, there's no value to them, but he has I've got a sleeve of cards, like one little box of cards that probably have a lot of value to them that I, he had that are not 80s, that were 60s and 70s baseball cards and some that are worth a, a chunk of change because once baseball cards just flooded the market in the 80s, all those cards now are worthless. But if you've got cards from the 60s and the 70s and before that, some of those cards actually still have value. So I thought Dude. that was cool. Made me think about that. No, now what's interesting is I never even heard of that mall. Really? And, yeah. And I thought I had heard of all of them. Well, uh, you're not going to hear of it anymore because it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's the that's the nature of the beast, man. 
Yeah, it, it, it was a, it was a, a real a small mall. I mean, because it wasn't that far away from Collin Creek Mall there in Plano, right. which also has been torn down. And, and I drove by that last time I was in town. It's apartment buildings and stuff now. Collin Creek Mall doesn't exist anymore. Our, our, our youth, man, it's all gone. It, it's gone the way of progress and capitalism, I suppose. Yeah, I was going to think. My dude, uh, I need to ask him the last time he's been to the mall. For a while, he was going to the parks. But I don't think that that was, uh, you know. Yeah, Parks is a solid mall. I mean, there are still some good malls, which blow my mind, because there's one here in Birmingham called the River Chase Galleria. And when SEC Media Days is in Birmingham, the hotel attached to that mall is where the SEC Media Days is. So all the media stays there. And I was walking around that mall last summer, and I just thought, man, this is such a weird... Like, I get it. It's almost nostalgic at this point because it just seems like an outdated concept. Bro, I mean, I told you, man, like, I can't even fathom walking around the mall just aimlessly. Yeah. Oh, maybe I'll run into this store or that store. I can see going with purpose, but I can't see like I used to just say, hey, I'm going to go hang out at the mall for a little while. Yeah, man. And, and I don't know that I ever will. I, I, I honestly don't Dude. know that I will ever buy anything from a mall ever again. I probably Check. won't. Um, I'm really with you, and I took the last step about a month ago. With and this is not like some, it just, it just drives home the fact that I don't have to go to the mall. Uh, you know me, I, I like I like a little bit of fashion. I wanted some jeans. All right, not nothing special. I knew exactly what I wanted, and dude, I went on Dillage.com, found the exact pair of jeans that I wanted. Levi's, the exact size that I wanted because I know exactly how they fit and which which one of Levi's fifty styles I need. Mm. Ordered them. They were at the house in two days, and I was like, "Wow, this is Dillard's regular old department store." <laughs> I don't think I'm ever going to a mall again because I already ordered all my tennis shoes off 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 online, whether it's Nike.com or whether it's Finish Line or wherever. And they come to the house in a couple of days. And again, I know my size, so I don't have any fear of whether it fits right or not. And like, I'm like you, bro. Like, I just don't, I don't see any good reason to go to the mall. No, not at all. I mean, I, deal I just, with all those people. And yep. tr- you know what, bro? I don't even like driving in Dallas anymore. The city has grown so much that even in, the, I hate to say it, man, it's getting more and more like Houston traffic on a daily basis. And that's just like, yeah, man. I don't even like the aggravation of driving because I can't just get in a car and go somewhere. There's, there's so many people on the streets. It's just like, man, this is just a beat down. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a total beat down. That's why like Black Friday every year blows my mind that people still go out and wait in those lines and bum rush stores. And I guess if you're one of the doorbuster people, you get a really, really good deal. But I mean, you can shop online and nobody's trying to run over you. You're not waiting in line ever. No. I don't get it. And then finally, we w- let's wrap up this trip from the block because you and I had this weird-ass conversation earlier <laughs> before we started. So every once in... This, this happens to me probably once a week at this point where I will, I will wake up in the middle of the night or I will wake up earlier than I want. And... and I woke up at 5 a.m. this morning. Now, you got to realize, I usually go to bed. I'm, I'm, I fall asleep around midnight. We, right. we stay up late. That's just what I like to do. So I usually wake up in between, you know, I, I, I don't ever, I rarely sleep past 8. Like, I'm usually waking up somewhere around 7.15, 7.30. But last night, I woke up at 5 a.m., 
And it was because I had to pee. And I wait and I'm laying there in bed and I'm like, damn it. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, I'm like, just go back to sleep. And I'm like, oh, come on. It's like, no, I'm not. I, I got to pee. I'm going to have to go pee. So I get up and I go and I try to like move slow, you know, where I don't raise my heart rate too much. <laughs> I even keep my eye mask on because I sleep with an eye mask. Oh, shit. That's really exciting. No, I do, man. And I, I wear an eye mask. We, we have two sound machines in our room that, that blow white noise. So to block out any ambient noise that might happen overnight or whatnot. So I'm trying to keep myself as close to sleep as I can. And then I go to the bathroom. I get back in bed and I lay down and I'm like, damn it. Because I start thinking, okay, got the podcast coming up. I'm like, all right. And then after that, my radio show, I'm like, is my show good? Like, are we ready for the day? And I'm thinking, because I kind of laid out my outline yesterday evening, anything I want to change. And I'm like, no, 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 don't think about this right now. You know, so then I start trying to count like, okay, let's just breathe in, breathe out. Let's go to sleep. And then my next tangent thought, by that time, I check my clock and it's 545. I've been up for 45 (laughs) minutes. And so then what I do is I tell myself, I'm like, all right, 15 more minutes. And if you're not asleep, you're getting up. Sure enough. <laughs> you know, so I just get up and begin my day. But man, it's one of those things. And you were telling me, and it horrifies me to think that I'm not that far away from having to get up multiple times in the night to go pee. Dude, uh, normally on a normal night, I probably get up twice, man. And it's a... It's, you know, it's just what I do. But I, I told you, I can't figure out if it's an aging thing or if it's the fact that I really do drink a lot of water during the day. Like, what time is it? Uh, you, I mean, you guys listen to this tomorrow, but yeah. it's 8 o'clock on Thursday morning, more or less. And I've already had, um, uh, let me see, 24, 36. I've already had 48 ounces of liquids this morning. Yeah. Between a protein shake and a bottle of water and this sparkling water I just drank and I got another 12 ounce can ready to go in a few minutes. And so I probably drank 120 ounces a day most days or 100 ounces a mm-hmm. day. And I just wonder if it's, you know, I'm just overloading my kidneys so much uh, that, I mean, it's just got to come out. But dude, most nights I go twice, but one night this weekend, I swear to you, bro, I was probably five times. And I was just, I tried to hold it one time. I know, dude. It's, it's a like, beating. It, it sucks when it happens. Dude, I was just like, I can't hold it. I got to literally get up and go. It's such a beat down. Uh, so like I said, I, matter of fact, it got to the point yesterday, I actually thought to myself, do I have to, I mean, I had this conversation with myself, but I was like, do I need to treat myself like a kid and stop drinking after, you know, eight o'clock or seven o'clock or whatever it is? Uh, because this is insane. Yeah. And again, I mean, we all know, I mean, I think we're all familiar that once you start getting older, and but in my mind, I'm thinking, well, that's like 65 and older. You you have to get up multiple times a night and pee. And by the time you're 80 or 90, you're probably peeing 15 times a night. And the reason why is because the older you get, the less of the antidiuretic hormone that helps to retain fluid, the less your body produces that. So that results in increased production of pee, especially at night. And then obviously as you age, and this is your entire body, (laughs) this is why you get wrinkles in your skin is because your muscles and all that become looser and become weaker. It's also like a lot of the times you can be in great shape and you may snore at night because as you age, 
the muscles in your throat and whatnot are looser and weaker, and there's nothing you can do about it. It's just what it is, but that's why it becomes more difficult to hold your pee as you get older. Oh, now that had never heard that. So you mm-hmm. can snore as you get older because yeah. the muscles in your throat are looser. Yep. Huh. Wow. No, it's it's because it's something that I had looked into because apparently, and you know, I don't know this, and my lady friend thinks this is hilarious. So she will, I've gotten into a point now, which is the way that I've been working out. And I really, I mean, I can lay in bed now and I'll fall asleep in three minutes. And so a lot of the time she's still getting ready for bed or whatnot. And I'm just out. And apparently I'll just start snoring every once in a while. And she films me. (laughs) You got to love that. And then I wake up the next morning. She goes, oh, you were snoring bad last night. I'm like, oh, I watched. She goes, oh, yeah, I filmed it. Look. And she shows me. I'm like, oh, my God. She goes, yeah. She's like, I was just sitting there wondering if you were ever going to stop. But yeah, I mean, again, the weak airway muscles as you age, like, because, you know, snoring, they say, well, you could have a problem, you could have this. And I I thought one, I was like, well, why? I'm not the least bit overweight. Like, this isn't making any sense to me. What the hell? So I started to look into it. I was like, oh, okay, well, snoring happens when the tissue in our airways start to vibrate because it is too loose. Just as skin loosens tension, loses tension with age, muscles in our bodies do as well. Just like muscles in your airway as you get older. I guess that's why it's important to lift weights. I don't know that you can lift weights for your nose. Yeah, there's only so much that you can do. And and obviously, like you, most of the time, if it happens for me, it happens when I'm like, I'll fall asleep randomly and I'm just laying straight on my back and like I'll, I'll exactly. fall asleep reading or something like that. You know? Right. But the pee yeah. thing, dude, the pee thing is, and it doesn't, I mean, again, it's like once a week where I'll have to do that, but I also consume a ridiculous amount of water. I'm, I do like 144 ounces a day, if not more. Wow. Wow. But I've tried to get to a point where I stop drinking water. Like, at, like I try to make sure that I don't drink anything like after nine or something like that. Yeah. But then the problem is I, I'm just like, man, I'm thirsty. I want thirsty. something. <laughs> I was going to say, maybe I'll stop a little sooner. But, yeah, it's a thirsty issue, and I don't want to drink anything. I don't like drinking calories, so that's why yeah. I drink sparkling water. Yeah, sparkling water and water, man. And I'm just consuming, like... <laughs> a ton of water. Like I drink so much water. Like they told me like, I like, that's why I take an electrolyte su- uh, supplement. I take one a day to make sure that I'm, cause I drink so much water that I have to make sure I'm not hurting myself and flushing out all my electrolytes, so to speak. Yeah. No joke. Cause I, uh, you know, I'm all about the P test, man. Yeah. Close, the closer to clear it is the better. That's how you want it. So we continue moving forward here, and let's tell you about Aaron and his guys at HFX Foundation Solutions. It's that time of year I've been telling you that, and I know, hell, here in Birmingham, we had crazy rain last night, and then it'll be crazy sunny for a couple of days, and it's that time of the year. And reality of it is, if you are having problems with your gutters, maybe you don't even have gutters, all that, if you don't have gutters that are helping to drain your property correctly, it can screw up your foundation. If you're starting to notice cracks, sticking doors, soil washout, you need to give HFX Foundation Solutions a call. It's a free, no obligation inspection. They'll come over and check you out just to make sure that everything's okay because you don't want this to get worse. No, man, it's like anything else. We call the colonoscopy for your house for a reason. I mean, it sounds cool, but we call it that for a reason, man. It's about letting Aaron and his team give your house the once-over. Make sure that everything is, as we like to say, copacetic. Because the last thing you want to do is find a problem and find it way too late. If you find a problem and it's early, it's, hey, it's a fraction of the cost if you find it late. Let Aaron and his crew 
give your home the once over and get that peace of mind that comes from that. That's exactly right. It's a free, no obligation inspection. 817-770-0174. 817-770-0174. They're A-rated with the Better Business Bureau. They're good dudes, local, family-owned. They will get you taken care of. You can also find them online at hfxfoundation.com. hfxfoundation.com. All right, there's a jingle I made for them. But we also need to tell you about Smokey John's Barbecue because everybody likes Smokey John's Barbecue. Everybody that's had it, and you're sitting there, well, I haven't had it. Yeah, so go have it. And then you're like, you're right, I like it too. It's Smokey John's Barbecue. We've been talking about them for a long time. Again, another local family-owned businessman, Brent and Juan, the brothers that own it and run it. They've been awesome. They're, they're phenomenal partners. I mean, hell, they designed a menu item specifically for the Jam Session audience. Dude, does it get any better than that, man? The Jam Session Bowl is fantastic. It's on the secret menu. They have a few things on the secret menu, but it's on the secret menu. You only know about it if you listen to the show, and it is scrumptious, delicious, and more importantly, two people can't finish it, bro. So you get free leftovers, so to speak. In a sense, yeah. And, and again, it's only for you guys. It's it's on the secret menu. It, it's You got to know that it exists to be able to even order it. And they created that because Brent listens, Juan listens. These guys are listening to us, and they like us. They like you. And it's all just like one big, giant family where you walk in and like, oh, yeah, yeah, I got you. It's Smokey John's Barbecue right there off Mockingbird in Dallas. And if you don't live in the area, like like me, then it's easy. Just jump online, SmokeyJohns.com. You can click on Smokey's Market, and they will ship the sauce, the barbecue sauce, or the rub right to you. Dallas Mavericks, they are ready to go. The NBA didn't do them any favors by literally scheduling them as the very first playoff game of the actual real playoffs and not the fake play-in crap. But the actual real playoffs, their game one is Saturday at noon. That means when they tip, Luka will have had just over five full days of rest. There is still, and we're not going to know until they tip if Luka, well, I mean, they'll tell us before, but right up until tip, basically, if Luka's going to be able to give this thing a go or not. I saw Joe Trahan, the sports anchor at Channel 8 there in Dallas, WFAA, sat down with Jason Kidd and you know, kids seem to kind of be positive about it, but I thought, well, what else are you going to say? But <laughs> it, it, he said he's smiling and that he seems in good spirits, which I kind of took that to be as, as good news. And then again, when they show clips of him, like riding the exercise bike and stuff, Luca's aware that he's being filmed. So for all we know, he's smiling and, and not trying to give anything away. No, man, I think, uh, you know, you just have to wait till you you'll know when you know. This is not something you need that, uh, you know, you can speculate about because yeah. nobody really knows. Um, it'll just be interesting because, you know, I don't know that you can hide a calf injury playing basketball. No, I don't know how you could. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, some injuries you can hide. Some injuries you can't depending on, you know, what position or, or how you play. You know, sprained ankle for a running back is a hell of a lot different than an offensive lineman. And so you might be able to play with it earlier or sooner if you're an offensive lineman than if you're a running back or a receiver or whatever, or a quarterback. So, uh, But him, you know, if you think about his game, man, his game is all about herky-jerky, stop mm-hmm. and start. And that's all your calf, man, pushing off. You know, so it doesn't matter that he doesn't play above the rim. He probably uses his stuff more because he's about change of pace and getting you off balance and, and all this other subtle movements that really puts a lot of stress on, on your lower body. So – um again i'm not expecting him to play in game one i just think it's 
I think it'd be incredible for him to play in game one, uh, given that he just had it, even if it's a grade one strain. Uh, hopefully he can play in game two. But I think the Mavericks can be okay if he misses the first couple of games. Because the, the goal is you got to get a split, and I think yeah. they can win one without Luka. You'd prefer it to be game one, because I, I do wonder if you if he doesn't play and, he lo- and they lose game one, you get Sunday off and then they play again. Game two is Monday night. I wonder if they lose game one, if you feel like we can't be down 0-2 going to Utah. We've got to have game two. If you win game one, then you might feel comfortable holding them out again in game two because game three isn't until next Thursday. Yeah. So if that happens, then he's he's got like a complete other week. And then if you can get the split, but to me, it, it you got you have they've got to win game one. If he doesn't play, you just got to figure it out because then I think it, it completely changes how comfortable you are with holding him out and giving him until April 21st, almost a full two weeks removed from the injury before you even try to deploy him in the playoffs. I think they're good enough to steal game one. Uh, and I say steal because if you don't have Luka, yeah, it's kind of stolen because you can you can have one of those games where several, you know, five guys scoring double figures. They're all between 14 and 17. And let's just keep it real, man. The only reason I believe this is they're one of the best defensive teams in the league. If this was last year's Mavericks, I'd tell you they had yeah. no chance. But the whole reason, the only reason, the literally the only reason you want to be a good defensive team is you always got defense. <laughs> you always have it. It never goes anywhere. And while Luka has been a much better team defender this year than last year, that ain't his game. So you can play the highest level possible defense without Luka and be okay. You know, it's possible. You can't play the highest level of offense without Luka. But you can play the highest level of defense without him. No, and, and the fact that Jalen Brunson has gotten to a level that he's at now, I, it feels like if he had to be your main point guard and he was taking that role over, that the drop-off wouldn't be – I mean, obviously it's Luka. We're, we're talking about one of the greatest players, if not the greatest player in the game today. But Brunson is not trash. Brunson is a very, very good player. Like the way that they play defense – It'll be interesting. This is an interesting series. I think if Luka can go and Luka plays the majority of the series, I think the Mavs can win this in six. If Luka can't go, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this comes down to game seven and we'll see what happens depending on how many games he's able to play. It is also interesting because the Mavs, there is a dude, Royce O'Neal for the Jazz, who matches up well in the time that he has played against not only the Mavs, but Luka Doncic. The Mavs have scored just 91.3 points per 100 possessions in the 16 minutes that O'Neal has been matched up on Luka this season. And in also highly attributed to his worst performance of the year in which he shot 8 of 24 in a loss to Utah on February 25th. But we'll see how it goes. I, I've got a lot of belief. I believe the Mavs will win this series. But it, it's is, is Luka going to play four games, three games, or is he going to play six games? And if he can play the bulk of the series, the Mavs win and advance to the second round. Yeah, I think uh, I, I don't have any disagreement with that. I think the question is just how many games is Luka going to play? And then what effectiveness will he play at? You know, is he going to be the Luka that we know, or is he going to be some shell of that guy? Because with the calf um, – you know, if you've never had a calf injury, calf is like the most underrated muscle out there. Like, nobody pays attention to it. I mean, we go to the gym. I go six days a week. We don't work on calves any day in particular. You know what I mean? 
Even on leg day, we don't go, oh, let's make sure we hit these calves. Uh, sometimes we do. Most of the times we don't. Uh, it's just a muscle that doesn't get a lot of attention. But, boy, you hurt that thing, and I did it once, man, and I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, it's different, man, and, and this is going to be an interesting series. The Jazz, who didn't exactly close as very hot, but we all know what Rudy Gobert is capable. We all especially know what Donovan Mitchell is capable of, but we also know what Dorian Finney-Smith can do and what a guy like a Reggie Bullock can do defensively, of course, to make it a little bit more difficult for Donovan Mitchell. And it, it also feels like the Jazz, the Jazz are about to go through an offseason with probably a lot of change. And you kind of wonder how much mentally that's there for them and versus a team that's hungry and up and coming that really has a lot to show with the Mavs. And the Mavs have home court advantage. Yeah, um, they spent all year working for it. And you work for home court advantage, man. I ain't breaking no news here for game seven. Yeah, that's what it's all about. And you would think if it gets to seven, Luke will be playing by the time seven rolls around. And so that's what you're hoping for, man. Can you stretch it out, extend it? get to seven, let him get as healthy as he's going to be, and then, uh, you know, have a chance to win a first-round series because uh, that's what this season's all about. Uh, that's what it's been like ever since they overcame that 16-18 start. Uh, I think they're, what, 31-12 and 12, uh, since the start of the year, something like that. And, uh, you know, they're playing terrific basketball. They've been one of the best teams in the NBA. They've beaten all the other good teams. Their losses have really come to bad teams. They've mm -hmm. beaten the good teams. And so they can, can play out, you know, they can play with the best teams in the NBA, bro. You just hope Luca's there so we get a chance to see, see them do it. Yeah, and it's interesting because Utah is a team that really stumbled towards the close of the season. You go all the way back to the beginning of March, they're 500. I mean, exactly. They played 500 in that last month and change of the season. They've lost four out of their last or they lost seven out of their last 11, I should say. They were four and seven in their final 11 games to close. And you look at some of the teams that they beat in the last month, and you're talking about Houston, Oklahoma City, Portland a couple of times, Sacramento, the Knicks, the Lakers who are trash. And then you look at the teams they've lost to as they close the season. They lost to the Mavericks, obviously. They lost to the Bucks. They lost to the Nets. They lost to the Celtics and the Clippers and the Warriors and the Suns. Point being, for the last six weeks of basketball, the good teams that Utah's played, they've lost to. Does that play out in the playoffs? We'll see. Let's hope that it does. Because I think if, if Luka can be healthy and the Mavs can get past the Jazz, you may be in for a treat in a second-round series against the best team in basketball with the Phoenix Suns. No, I mean, you know, I think uh... – that would be fantastic just for the experience, man. They go in heavy underdogs to the Suns. But, you know, when you've got a superstar like Luka, man, and you're playing defense the way they're playing, mm. they're not, you know, nobody thinks you're going to beat the Suns, but maybe you can make it a heck of a lot interesting than most people think. I hope so, man. I I'm ready for it. I'll be excited about it. Game one, Saturday at noon in Dallas. The Utah Jazz, the Dallas Mavericks, the Mavs trying to get out of the first round. They have not won a playoff series since they hoisted the Larry O'Brien in 2011. That is the last time the Mavs won a playoff series, so we'll see if they can get it done. Also, before we wrap it up, I wanted to do just a, a little bit of a peep show here for you guys. And before we get into that, let's tell you about Blue Star Motor Group. You guys know them well. If you haven't jumped on their website lately, I would do yourself a large favor and, and do that because every time I check it, they've got something new that they've added to their inventory. It's Again, it's local, it's family-owned. 
It's super easy to work with Deb and Mike because you just give them a call or text Deb, 817-881-4066. And every time I go to their website at bluestarmotorgroup.com, they always have deals on there. Now, now, sometimes the deals, I'm like, my God, like I wish I could afford that, <laughs> even though it's a crazy good deal. And then sometimes the deals, like we went off on that tangent talking about the truck the other day, where you right, just right. look at it and you go, man, for, for that level of a truck or car that has that few miles on it, I can't believe that's the price. I mean, you're really getting some good deals right now with Blue Star. No, nah, man, and the thing about Blue Star, and we've told y'all this, they got a car for every budget. Um, whether you're buying a car for your kid, I was trying to think because I've been talking about getting one for my granddaughter. Nice. Or, or whether you tr- you're buying one for whomever, They've got a price, man. If if you make a lot of money, if you make a little bit of money, if you make medium money, they got one for every budget. And to me, that's great because there's no excuse not to go to Blue Star Motor Group. And then the other thing about Deb and Mike that I really try to tell y'all is they believe in the win-win, man. Everybody doesn't. They do. They want you shaking hands and smiling after the deal is done. They do. And it's easy, like you said, to work with them. It just makes sense. Incorporate them. Make sure that if you are in the car buying process that you include them at Blue Star Motor Group in that process because they are going to work their ass off, I promise you, to make sure you've got a great deal. BlueStarMotorGroup.com. Check them out. So the Peep Show, we haven't done this in a while, and I have been catching up on Better Call Saul of late. Bro, I just... I just binged almost all of season five the other day. Yep, we are almost wrapped up with season five of Better Call Saul, and I'm doing that because Monday on AMC, the final season, season six of Better Call Saul makes its debut. You know, I I do this, and this is me, and so y'all can judge me if you want, but I really don't care. (laughs) I watched season five because that's the one I hadn't seen, but it reminded me because I hadn't seen it in a while because I told you I was having a hopscotch to find all the seasons. But now that they've got them all stacked, once I finish five, bro, I'm probably going to go back to one and look at it one through four again because I just forgot how much I enjoy it. Uh, Saul is crazy. Um, Indeed. Just the, just the character is just crazy. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, I love the cinematography, and I'm not even a cat who says that. I just love the way they shot it because it feels unique as opposed to most shows. Dude. And I just love everything about that show. It's probably why I like Breaking Bad. But I loved everything about it. And so I just enjoy it because Saul is really crazy, man. I'm like, this dude's insane. He is. He has, he has no morals, but he has a couple. <laughs> yeah, and, and one of the things, like you're talking about the camera work, it can be as simple as they, they will show you like, what is this camera shot? And it's the camera at the bottom of a paper bag that he's reaching into or the camera in a safe or just the different ways that they shoot this. The acting is good. The writing is good. And to see the slow development that we have seen from when he was Jimmy McGill, the kind of hesitant, like, I I, I like myself and I feel like I can be good, but I'm also intimidated by my bigger brother and I'm never going to be as good as him to he's created this character who has this uber confidence and he's shady as hell, but he can make money and almost kind of, it's almost like he's doing it to make money, but also to to double bird actual lawyers who are making all kinds of money doing different things. Yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating show, man. It it's is. A, I mean, I think that's, um, 
I would say it's like this, you know, to me in today's world, especially today's world, it's just hard to make original TV or it's hard to make original shows that are good or interesting. And they figured out how to do it. They did. And it is very, very good. And of course, it is it is the prequel to Breaking Bad. A lot of the characters that are in Breaking Bad are making appearances in this at some point. And it's what what happens to this lawyer who becomes Saul Goodman, who obviously, if you've seen Breaking Bad, is very intricate part of Breaking Bad. And did you get to the part yet where a big character from Breaking Bad finally showed up in this? I don't think we're telling too much. We're talking about Hank? Yes. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and, and I mean, this is season five. It aired a year ago. I mean, it just now dropped on Netflix, but season six comes out Monday, and it's it's fantastic, man, and I loved when he showed up, and I'm very curious. I am very, very curious, as I know everybody is. Will we get a Brian Cranston and Jesse Paul appearance in season six as they kind of obviously take Saul in that direction. Now it'll be before Cranston turns into Walt White, but will he see him somewhere in just like a cameo appearance as he is not Heisenberg, but he's high school teacher, Walt White out and about around town. Yeah. You got to have him in there somewhere. Somehow they've just got to like randomly cross paths or just give us a tip of the hat to, and I bet they do. I, I bet they do. Not be surprised if they didn't. It'll be interesting how they do it. Will they be eating at at uh, Polo? You know, something like that. Yeah, it could yeah. be. That, I, I mean, I, I just and it's going to wrap up and it'll lead right into the to the beginning events of Breaking Bad. So I'm I'm excited about that. The other thing that I had for you here in this little quick peep show is Ozark, which we are huge fans of Ozark. I don't know if you saw, but the final seven episodes of Ozark are dropping in two weeks. Oh, okay. The final season, the final seven episodes that will wrap up the entire story arc will drop on Netflix on Friday, April 29th. Dude, because that thing, <laughs> Ozark's baby. Dude. They did, they did that thing, man. I cannot wait to see how in the world they figure out. I can't imagine that all the birds live, but maybe Marty figures it out. Problem of it is, is that he's a criminal. Like, he is a criminal. And generally speaking, in most shows where the main protagonist is kind of also the antagonist and is a criminal, it doesn't end up well for them. Even though you like no. them and you kind of, I, I mean, there's something to it. I think, um, and this is, I mean... Yeah, bro. I could see them uh, ultimately, because they're skirting so many different things, I could see them ultimately, the show ending with them getting sentenced. I could see that too, because I don't know, I don't know that I want them to die, but then again, if you're going to spend life in prison. Yeah, I don't know if it's, because have they, have they committed murders? I don't know. I, I don't think that I don't recall see, that. I, well, see, I think there's I think there's his, um, money charge. You can I mean, it's an Al Capone thing. We know you did all this stuff, but we're really going to get you on this tax evasion thing because we can make those charges stick. So I could see them getting, you know, I could see them being arrested what? by the feds finally. And keep you know, in mind, in court, they Marty did rig the dock to electrocute Ruth's uncle or dad or whoever that was. Right. And his wife, I can't, I don't think she did it herself, but she hired somebody or had somebody kill her brother. Yeah, but those are going to be hard to prove. And his wife has turned into like the most annoying character. I know. She gets, which means she's doing a great job of acting because she gets on my nerves Dude. every time she opens her mouth. Like, 
I'll tell you who gets right. on my nerve. Yeah. Their freaking son. Like, I, like it's getting to a point they're gonna have to kill their own son. You know, because he's all of this. Okay, y'all can again, y'all can judge me if you want to. I don't really care because my kids thus far have turned out pretty good. He's a product of a freaking timeout era, man. And I'm not saying you got to give your kid 30 lashes every time they do something because I'm not really about that life. But sometimes I've talked to you a couple times. I've pointed out the area of your ways and you seem intent on uh, continuing. Yeah. So let me give you a little corporal punishment. Just a little touch, a little love tap to, uh, to straighten you out. And I think that's healthy. Not too much, but just enough. Uh, as I like to tell people, my son got his last spanking at nine. And he can tell you exactly what crime he committed to get that today, and we laugh about it. But yeah, um, you know, and my granddaughter, she was a little, she was a bit more of a handful. I think she got her last one at like 11. But she's 16 now, he's 18, and they're just fine. So a little corporal punishment never hurt anybody. <laughs> I made it funny there. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, that's true. I don't disagree with you, but that kid, man, like sometimes when they're having a serious conversation and somebody that, that honestly might shoot him in the face. He's like, oh, I know this. And I'm just like, you know, somebody <laughs> kill. Like, you are running a mon... Like, I don't think you understand, son, that they're going to cut off one of our heads and send it to you in a box. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Like, time out don't fit every crime, man. No, like, like, th this gotta... is the cartel. This isn't... We're not playing pretend here, Marty. Right. You know? This is serious, and you just can't be doing out here doing what you want. No, you're putting everybody in jeopardy, man. So let me show you what it feels like. And I, I just don't know how, with everything they've gone through, how in the world it do, it wraps up where some... In, in, I, don't, I mean, at the end of the day, like I said, as much as I might like the character and the acting job, they're, the character... Yeah, they're family, but they're they work for a freaking cartel and are helping them to stay safe in a sense. So I don't I don't know what they're how they're yeah. gonna wrap it up. And then the other thing is, and this just came out yesterday, the season four trailer finally for Stranger Things on Netflix has been released. Season four will drop on May twenty seventh, and then the back part of season four will drop on July first. The last time we saw Stranger Things, season three came out in 2019. Damn. It's been almost, when it drops, it'll have been almost exactly three years on a show that involved a bunch of teenagers who now have all aged three years. So I'll be very curious to see what the hell the story is as season four picks up. Dude, I'm like, how... <laughs> Like, how do you do that? You I, know what I, mean? I have no idea. And it's a great show. I'm a big fan of it. But three years, you are asking a lot of fans to to put that thing on hiatus for three years. And there's no way you could continue whatever the storyline is. Because, again, these aren't little kids anymore. I mean, some of them are probably actual adults now at the age that they've gotten to. In real life, I mean. Now, you know... Um, Stranger Things is interesting. I really enjoyed the first season. Mm -hmm. And then for whatever reason, I never got into season two and three. Yeah, Stranger Things, the first season, was absolutely genius. And I was, I was right. I was just looking this up. So Millie Bobby Brown, who plays the lead character Eleven on Netflix, when they started filming this thing, because, again, keep in mind, season one was 20... God, when did season one come out? It must have been 2016, maybe? Is that right? Yeah, 2016 was when season one came out. She was 12. She is now 18 years old in real life. A little bit of a difference. 
Bro, she don't look nothing like she looked at 12. No, not at all. So you you can't have whatever the story was. She would have been 15 when they last wrapped up season three. Yeah, you can't have a 15-year-old or an 18-year-old trying to act like she's the same, you know, oh, we're in fifth grade or whatever. Stop. So I'll be curious to see what they do, but I do enjoy that show. They're doing season four, and then they've announced that there will be a season five, and season five will be the wrap-up and the ending of that series. All right. Well, at least now maybe we won't have to wait another three years for that, bro. God, I hope not. I mean, it's – come on. <laughs> we we just got to get it better. You're Netflix. You have your own studios. Give us our content. You know, it ain't that complicated, or is it? Apparently it is. And that, <laughs> my friends, is a fantastic kick-ass podcast. Enjoy your weekend. Get ready for it. On Monday, when you listen to us, we'll have the wrap-up of the Mavs opening game of the playoffs. We'll be less than two weeks away to the NFL draft, and I will have my in-person review of the return of the USFL because I'm going to the game on Saturday night between the Birmingham Stallions and the New Jersey Generals. Is it as, is it going to suck like a lot of people think? Or is there maybe something to it? I have no idea. Wow. We'll find I'm out excited. on Monday. Yeah, be ready for yeah. it. Sit on the edge of your seat. <laughs> and wait for it. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.